0: morning, evening, good night, everyone who's joined to this latest edition of the Indic Book Club's Writers' Open House with Otis. And uh, most of you have been joining regularly, so you know the drill. But for those who are joining for the first time or those who end up watching this video on YouTube once it's put up, uh, the way it goes is you go to the indicacademy.org website and we have a page there which which describes how you can submit your writing piece approximately 800 words in length in a pdf format to otis at the email address provided and he will go through a writing sample he will mark up those uh, pdfs that you submit with his feedback and send them back to you and then on sundays when we meet he will take those pieces one by one and uh, provide general feedback maybe ask you to read a certain passage from it and uh, in 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 general go through those pieces uh, to the extent we can within the time that we have so with that otis uh, i will turn it over to you okay
1: thank you um hey everybody um i uh i have uh six Six works um, this week, so I'm going to try and be a little bit more fastidious about time, and to the best of my ability, try and give. So six. I want to give ten to fifteen max. I hope to to each piece. So so if it seems like I'm moving through a little bit more quickly, honestly, I probably won't be. You know how I am. I. So I start getting on a train, and I start and I take that train all the way to the station. So. Um, so you, you be, feel free to be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa let 's keep moving on because I really want to talk about each story I think um, you know in in the process of workshop, I was thinking about this uh, and I didn't bring it up with Abhinav yet but but the, uh, the the interaction and the involvement with the piece itself, you know between author and me and all of us, I think that 's really the most important. Part of the process. It's not what I say on the pieces. It's not. It's not any of the rest of it. It's that interaction that really ends up being meaningful. So, um, I uh, I want to uh, premise a little bit with uh, as we move into next week, and we're going to update some of the materials to suggest this. When you when you send in materials, uh, please lead in with your name on the file. Um, so. So we just make that part of our standard uh, procedure because that way, because I move the files around, definitely also put your name on the piece itself. (laughs) So two key things. On the piece, there should be a title and your name so that I know the title and the name. And then also in the file, if you could put your name and the title. So um, it's really helpful. I'm, I'm not an organizational person, you can see. I'm an intuitive, I'm an empath, if you will. Um let's uh share did I share? Is uh I didn't see is Sorella here?
0: I no? think so. I remember okay. seeing yes, she is she's in mute. So Sorella, could you Okay, yes.
1: so we'll have first um, and we'll start with that. Um Going to put it like that, Is Sorella. Are you here? Ah, hi. Um, <clears throat> do you see the piece shared right now? Yes. Do you see Sorella? Are you? Can you unmute and do you see the? Do you see your piece?
0: Yeah, Sorella, you need to unmute. We can't hear you.
1: I don't know what happened. <laughs> oh, no worries. Keep stay unmuted. Stay unmuted. Don't don't continue to be unmuted, Cirilla. Cirilla, give, give, give me a thumbs up if you can hear me. The reason this. Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah i think she's having probably audio connection issues i i
1: suspect yes can you hear me now okay yes yeah perfect okay so i just want you so this is your piece so the yes. other thing also sorella this piece was long and and for everyone else too i think you okay. know for the workshop we are trying to keep it around 750 maximum a thousand words i really okay. it's, for, for our purposes, I actually only need an excerpt usually to, as a stepping off point to talk about some larger issues. I don't, I don't, okay pretty often I actually don't find that I have to read a full work, you know, um, to start being able to generate some things to talk about. So, okay. but, but I, I was, this movie, this movie, it is a little bit like a movie. This sto- story moved very fast. Um, okay. If you could just read from the beginning here, just to this Okay.
2: Okay, uh, I can't see the... Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, from where exactly? Okay, the black portion. Okay. From the, from the very beginning. Okay, oh, Elena yeah. was almost dozing off. Uh, can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, Elena was almost dozing off when she woke up startled by a shriek. She saw Anika sitting upright and perspiring profusely. This has happened five days in a row when Anika got up suddenly screaming for help at midnight. When she had consulted the doctor to understand the reason behind this, he informed that it is normal for patients who had undergone a traumatic situation and it will take some time to normalize. Maybe those moments from her bondage were flashing in her mind's eyes. Anika was found unconscious with bruises on her body, her mouth gagged with a dirty towel, and her hands tied tied tightly behind a bamboo pole.
1: Okay, great. Thank you very much. Um, For for everyone, I might just tell you a little bit why I have everyone read their piece. I think that it's important for us all to recognize that the writer, is really committing their life to to write this piece for a certain, you know, a certain amount of time and it's very important for them and when we discuss people's work and ideally at some point we'll we'll get to the point where we're actually having more of a a discussion where you're participating in that discussion too but in my teaching of workshops I found that it's really important for us for everyone in the workshop to recognize that the work is really important to the writer that's something that we have to Obviously, we understand that about our own work, but what I found in workshops is that we don't always understand that well enough about other people's work, and that's a really important, um, okay. really a skill to develop for all of us. Um, in workshops, sometimes you can find that everyone starts trying to fix uh, a story, and that's not our job at all. We're not. We're. we're not, it's not broken. Um, stories are. I honestly believe stories are always there, and it's really a question of bringing them out. Um, You know the artistic style of of relief, where you know it's a, I mean relief is this: it's a, it's a, it's a blank piece of sandstone, and you start etching through it, right? Or uh, or the sculptor talks about, you know, a, a sculptor will talk about bringing up a piece of marble and finding the image that's in the marble they don't make marble into the image they find that and and this morning when I woke up just to give you a little sense of how I how I think uh, this, this these things are very much on my mind and and I and I have been trying to work out this piece that I'm working on about about narratives in fact um, and I was Kind of delineating these two ideas there's two types of stories there's a type of story that finds and there's a type of story that makes i will only teach the type of story that finds <laughs> that's the story that that i think is of value that we as writers try to find the story and bring it up so this story is long. I, I only read 10 pages, um, but I can tell that it's a, a story that means something to you, Sorella. And, and this is another principle that I really hold. Um, and again, it comes, from, it comes from my vast experience in workshops, particularly with other writers who are like me. Um, when we have a story. That we are passionate about telling and we always are if we if we sat down and started writing it we're passionate about telling that story and the story is always there and it's always mm-hmm. worth all the work that we're going to put into bringing it to the surface so and there are there are finally um, for all of us as writers for us to realize and for me there are stories everywhere and so what it becomes Once we develop the kind of compassion of a writer, and we are driven to find through our writing, we'll find that there are many, many things to write about, and then it's a question of just prioritizing. We just decide, what are we going to do first? What's our first work? Then what's going to come after that? And we'll see if we're still going to have that one after it by the time we get there. But when we commit to a work, commit to it and finish it. Um, so I find that the characters in this piece are very compelling. Um, and we have, um, we have, let's see, perspiring, Annika. Annika has, you know, found herself in a difficult situation in which she seems to have been abducted and then raped and beaten. Um, and the, the protagonist is, uh, a, Alina. Alina. Yeah, um, yeah. she's the protagonist. So I really so what we actually what what we have that you might not realize right now, Sorella, is that this is a very, very promising start.
3: Okay. But we
1: might not you might not realize right now in the big macro sense that what we have actually is Alina is the protagonist. Yeah. And Annika is the antagonist. The antagonist doesn't mean that it's someone for the protagonist, the antagonist, is really the entire world. Because the story is about a conflict of will. The protagonist tries to make the world, right? Remember I, I talked about the writer, the, mm-hmm. the two writing styles. The writer tries to find, right? We mm-hmm. hope. But there are definitely writers who try to make, right? They try mm-hmm. to make meanings, try to design things. Well, that type of writer is actually like our protagonist. A okay. protagonist tries to make the world the way they want it. They right. want to interact with the world that way. And Annika, as as part of the outside world, is going to be challenging that. Every character challenges that for the protagonist, right? We, I think that this is universal, again, and this is, you know, the story is a maturation process of realizing that we all come in, and at a certain point, we try to make the we want the world to interact with us on our terms. Right. Right? We want other people to interact with us on our terms. We want lightning not to strike us. We want not to be cold. We want all these things. So okay. so this is really a key to understand that the protagonist wants on their terms. They don't <laughs> we don't want to accept the world's Terms. Right. And so that that is the manifestation of the protagonist's will. Okay.
2: Actually, I think... uh, uh, actually, I shared this uh, story. Think uh, with, with with a query in mind that uh, most in most of my stories that I had written before, this is written like one or two years back, and uh, I all the characters, the protagonist is helping uh, some another character. So throughout the story, I wanted to ha- wanted to happen to go this way. So I did not think about it as a protagonist uh, that way. And, uh, and I understand why you say it is a protagonist, and, sorry, and, and antagonist. But at the time, I was like I was thinking that one person is helping the other person out, and I wanted to know that in that in that uh, context, who should I put first and who should I put second importance?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well. So, so I'm going to go back to just the basic principles. I, I agree. I think I understand what you're saying. I agree that the, the sense of protagonism and antagonism right now in the story is not fully realized.
3: Yes. Having,
1: having two characters that are basically operating in parallel. Yes, yes. Right, they're both going the same way. So yes. So you yes. have Alina and Annika going in the same direction. So yes. the issue there is that that does not create the dynamics of story that we're looking for. Okay, okay. But this is this is a big, really huge concept for us to try and get into our head, but it is the it is the principle of story. The principle mm-hmm. of story that I'm gonna suggest is that we only have dynamic I'm gonna say call it dynamic energy in a story, okay. which is also the thing that the reader is interested in. Okay? Mm-hmm. They're not interested in stasis. They're not interested in a flat line. They're not interested in two characters going the same way. They're not interested uh, in, you know, I, I I make the joke like, um, I lo- I left my wallet at the restaurant last night. I called them. They said it was there. I went down and picked it up.
3: <laughs>
1: not a story. There's no conflict. Sure, I lost my wallet. That's a problem. But it was at the restaurant, and I went and I got it. The same thing is when we have two characters moving like this. The okay. same thing is occurring when the writer who's writing the story is basically on the side of the protagonist.
3: Okay. The
1: writer is not on the side of the protagonist. The writer is testing the protagonist. The okay. writer, the writer gives the protagonist a hard time. Right. The one thing that's true of characters, and all of us, I am going to suggest, I will recognize it in myself, all our characters do not want to change. The purpose of the story and the writer is to create situations for, that are directed at the protagonist that challenge them again and again and again until they are forced to change and right. being forced to change is significant. it means essentially a kind of ego death okay. an ego death. they are not the same. It's um, and in my in my way of thinking there's this pretty interesting book. I, you know I don't read all the way through all my books before I get the point, but it's by this poet and um, she's a Greek scholar too, uh, Ann Carson. And she wrote a story called The Eros of the Bittersweet. I'm just going to say a few words about it. The Eros of the Bittersweet, it's about love. Okay. And the Greeks had a term for love that suggested that in, in which love was seen as bittersweet because to merge... With your loved one is also a death of the self. And so I'm going to say something that's large conceptually is that the relationship between the protagonist and the antagonist force is a love story in which the two. Now, and I know you want to be like, you know, love is puppy dogs you know, rolling around in a hay field with yarn or whatever the hell, right? We're not talking about love on that level. We're talking about love on the level of it ain't all a bunch of roses and googly-eyed hearts, okay? We're talking about the death of the ego in the merger with the antagonistic force (laughs) as being love, okay? So these are big concepts. I just want you to just put them in the back burner. But but if you can take a little bit, the thing that I'm going to say is, again, we need to, we cannot have forces moving together. We don't even have, the protagonist comes this way and the writer is basically, right? They're, they're, they're sending the lightning bolts down onto that protagonist, right? Okay. I just, I just watched... Uh, battle of the titans or whatever so anyway they're, they're destroying the lightning bolts you know there's always something right the antagonistic force is the force of god right it's the force of nature it's the force of every other human being on earth i'm saying when the protagonist the, there's the there's the ego of the protagonist and the antagonistic force is everything else right and what we do as writers Is we pick and choose the best the best antagonists to really bash the crap out of this protagonist and then when so they try to do something and boom they fail and then you know what happens the writer finds an even greater adversary because they try again and we go boom and they try again and we go boom This is what happens in stories, in my little illustration. Um, We, we, I'm going to say this, we really have to embrace this. Now, now, there's a lot of reasons why we don't want to. This is, again, my psychological read of human beings. Stories are about conflict. Human beings do not like conflict writers do not like conflict we do not like to make these hard times for our characters we don't like to experience them you know what we want we want not to change just like our characters we want to have our belief systems and we want them to we want to believe this right here and we want to believe it all the way through the story to the end so all we did then was make some my mind we didn't find something we use the story process to create this dynamic where we take on the role of the tester we take on the role um we're the we're the we're the antagonistic force and the subject is the protagonist that's the other (laughs) thing to recognize the subject is not the antagonistic forces right anyway so just Just keep these concepts on the back burner, but the thing that I'm going to say is that we have to draw, I sometimes call this drawing with thick lines. We're already dealing with language. Language is, I'm going to tell you right now, this is a great book, by the way, by my friend, but no matter what you do, that's a bunch of words, and it's not as interesting as my fence, that tree, the bush, the the animals that are running around, the bugs, not as interesting. All of those things are more interesting and engaging than these words so when we write we have to write with what i call thick lines draw with thick lines so that we can really see what's going on don't hold back
2: uh so i would like to ask a question here you mentioned backstories in different, many places yeah
1: yeah, let me I'm gonna have to bullet this now because I wanna move on. As I said, we're gonna try and take it the right amount of time. But yes, let me just back let me bullet a couple other points with this story. Okay, the main thing I wanna bullet is that this this story, yes, we can talk about backstory. So if we say, uh, let me get rid of these. That's the protagonist and the antagonist, right? But I wanna talk about backstory. So um Elena was almost dozing off. So when we say Elena was almost dozing off when she woke up startled by a shriek. Okay, this is considered the present story that we're dealing with. This is you right. began here in this moment. And so this is the story present. Right. She saw Annika Sitting upright and perspiring profusely. This has happened. There you go. That's the first indication that we're going backwards. And so The point I wanna make is, here, this sentence here, it's going forwards in time. That's momentum. Second sentence is going forward in time. The third sentence goes backwards. The point I wanna make for everyone, don't do that, okay? Don't do that. It's hard to get this, you know, you have, You're dealing with inertia with the reader. They've opened up your book, right? Just like any object. They've opened up the book, but they're in a state of inertia. We get them involved, we start moving them this way. Until you get up some momentum, you do not want to stop them from going that direction. Does that make sense? I mean, you're, you're basically saying this is the story here on this. You know, here's the present story. This is the story I've dra- dragged your attention into. It's a story that I must tell. And immediately you stop it. I know everyone is going to say, but I have to explain. I'm going to, I'm going to beg you here, now, just us. No one else is hearing. Please don't explain anything. No No exposition. You know how you know the phrase mansplaining no no mansplaining you know why people don't like mansplaining because it because it's mr. man telling you what the, what everything means no one wants to be told what everything means they want to have experiences so, all of us yes I'm gonna move on um so and then let okay me,
0: uh, Otis, yes, uh, <clears throat> we we should. But one question that, uh, you know, for the purpose of the story, at some point, uh, the author may consider it useful, necessary, or even otherwise, it may be necessary to, to, to provide some backstory in, in an abbreviated form or whatever. How does one determine when and where is the best place to do it? And should it be done all in one place and done away with? Or should it be spread into two or three different uh, places? How?
1: Okay, so this is my my basic... I'm basically a physicist, right? If you have momentum going here, you go ahead and you have the momentum go off the cliff so I know that something is about to happen, right? You see these little drawings I'm making? So you have to take, move until you've gone off the cliff. The next moment, the next action is very clear, and the reader can anticipate what it is. Include backstory that is relevant to the next action. That mm. is my rule. That is my rule. Mm. I I John LaRue was at Stanford. He wrote ten books. You know, the guy was a genius of production and story, and he was a true artist that was always seeking deep truth. One day, I found him in the hallway, and I grabbed him by the collar. He was a small man, so it was easy and also old. I grabbed him by the collar, and I pushed him up against the wall because I was so frustrated with the workshop. And everyone was so smart, and everyone was telling me all these great things. And I was like, what do I do with all this great information? I said, John, please tell me two things that I absolutely have to know, just two. And he said, "Okay." One. Only tell backstory when you absolutely have to. Okay. That's one. You want to know the second one?
0: Let go of my collar.
1: No, we don't have time for the second one today. But maybe, no, I'm kidding. The second one is dialogue is something characters do. To each other, it will go a long way with those two things, John, achieved from John LaRue at personal peril to myself, I might add, not much personal peril, but a little, okay, so, so we've gone backwards, we've gone only two sentences going forwards, and now we're already going backwards, no, we don't, um, and then, so Annika got up suddenly screaming at midnight. So uh, has happened for five days in a row. We're not talking about the present moment anymore. We want to try as best we can to fixate the reader on the present moment of the Word, their interaction with the Word, almost like a, like a deep meditation. We take them into a world in which they are continually present for experience. Being continually present for experience is much more potent than being only partially present for the experience of the moment and then also thinking about either the future or the past. This is what I believe. Okay, okay. Um, Okay, and then this is when she, uh, now we go when she had consulted. The verbs are telling me, okay? The verbs tell me. So what happened was I was in, Elena was almost dozing off. She saw Annika sitting upright, and this has happened. That's the first clue that I've gone off the rails. <sighs> right? The next clue is had consulted. Way off the rails. So, from the point of view of getting that, we want to get the reader on the train. The train is called the protagonist, the, the protagonist, and we want them moving through experiences. Experiences and verbs for that matter reflect. Time, passing, dynamic time <laughs> passing. When we use static verbs like is, to be, um, has, and had, and was together with, a, together with a verb. Aditi and I talked about passive verb constructions already. But when we do that, we suddenly put the brakes on. Those are all brakes. Static, so, so-called intransitive verbs. Mm -hmm. are the enemy of our work. We want transitive verbs, transitive verbs. These are things we can do for ourselves. We don't even have to know how to write a story to make these things happen. It's sort of like, just do it, is what I'm suggesting. Um, And then, this is the other main point, Sorella, that I want to talk about. So, in some ways, this is a, this could be an easy fix. You could just, you know, just take the things that happen first, and a, a number of you who I've talked to individually know this, take the things that happen first, and then just put them in order chronologically. Okay. That's not 100% what the issue is. I'll go back to these verbs. Not intransitive verbs, transitive verbs. Move forward. Active, powerful, good verbs. Uh While I'm on the subject of verbs, I'm just going to say this, it's micro, but for me, an adverb is a signpost that says, weak verb ahead. Adverbs are a signpost that say, weak verb ahead. And sometimes even worse, we write the adverb after the verb, which means we... It's a signpost that says you just passed a weak at a weak verb. Okay, so so if you're gonna have it, have it before, because at least it's not a slap in the face to your experience that you've already had. Okay. I like it. if I get a DT laughing, then I feel good. Uh, I'm glad. It, remember that I, we have to have a sense of humor about all this stuff. It's hard.
0: Okay, we need to move uh, Otis' time check.
1: Yes, okay. I'm just going to add the last thing is what we want to become masters in is basically these three modes of writing. This piece right now is all, all in summary. Summary. So that means that we're compressing experience. Summary means we're summarizing, we're taking a lot of individual things, a lot of individual in fact, what we're talking about in narrative is, is events. Narrative is a sequence of events, and we're taking a lot of events and we're compressing them into summary.
3: Okay.
1: In our writing, what we want to do is we want to write, there's three things that we write. Well, that's not exactly expressed correctly. There's scenes, there's summary, so, and there's stuff we don't write, we omit. Scene, summary, and omit. Those are the three things we write. We, and the effect of it is this. When we write scenes, we write real people, real time, in action. Those three things, okay? It's all concrete. We can pour gravy on it, right? It's concrete action that the reader... So, And when we write scenes, listen carefully to this. We slow down time. Right? Because summary compresses time. So basically we expand time, we write in detail, and we can actually expand time beyond the time if we want to by having excruciating detail. We slow time, and then here we speed up time. So the effect for the reader is I'm spending a lot of time here, and I'm moving quickly through here. I'm spending a lot of time here and quickly through here. What that means is we write scenes, we choose our scenes for those that are dramatically important. Dramatically important, and that the scene shows dramatic conflict between the protagonist force and the antagonist force, and it results in the protagonist coming out the other way. That is a dramatic scene. The summary, we summarize because it's necessary to cover the story to transition to the next dramatic scene. So, in a sense, on the page, there's two things that we have. Scenes and summaries. And then we have the stuff that's not important for the story at all, and that we omit. Mm-hmm.
4: It's,
1: it's it's wonderfully not rocket science, So, but through doing those things, we start to create the, the rhythm of the work. Where the reader is going, they slow down. When they slow down and we're suddenly in scene, you know what happens to the reader? Once we establish these patterns, they get tense. You know what happens when the scene is over and we go to summary transition? They relax. And so now we're creating an emotional experience for the reader in which they're going, which they love. I'm tense. I'm relaxed. Okay, I'm doing it. This is the story, right? I'm doing it here. Uh, oh, 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 oh. Isn't it great how I can do that little thing? But that's what we're, that's what we're doing to the reader. Right. The reason we, re- we write stories is we want to affect the biological experience of the reader. That means in the body. So here, my body feels tense. Here, my body feels relaxed. Here, it feels tense again. This is what we're doing with our stories. That is the emotional roller coaster, And it's achieved through scenes and summary. It can also be achieved through, in the movies, we see it achieved through, you know, moments of tension, maybe violence, but then everyone's having a picnic, right? It's okay. But then while everyone's having a picnic, what do we think while we're watching the movie? We're like, bad things are about to happen, right? So we're watching it but we're anticipating the next bad thing. Right. Now you're dealing with the rhythms. And, and back to um, Abhinav, if he's asking, when do you have backstory come in? When you've created this tension, and then the reader's anticipating more, anticipating more bad stuff, now you stop, right? that might be a place for backstory, it might be a place for that summary, it might be a place for a lot of different things that basically ease the tension of the moment. I'm tense in a moment, now I supplied backstory, which, well, nothing's happening in backstory, who cares, right? So I'm at ease, but I'm anticipating the next bad thing that's going to make me tense. So this way, we're not using backstory, this is really oh, super important. Okay. Let me just make this point. We're not using backstory to explain. We're using backstory to um, ease the tension for the reader for our purpose of creating the emotional roller coaster.
3: Um, thank this
1: you so is... much. Yeah. Um, okay. I knew I was. I'm terrible at this. Once I get on a roll, but um, so let me go to this. Um, did that change for you, Is Samanti?
0: Here. Yes, I can. Yeah, I. I, I, I can see the.
3: Yes, is, is
1: uh, here? Oh yeah. you uh do you want to come on to video and yes. Yes
4: sir.
1: Um okay. And if you could just read between those two uh, black marks, that would be great. Samantha, are you on um, are you yes, able to yes. read?
4: Yes, sir. I can
1: hear. Yeah. Can you can you see the shared screen? Yes. Can you read? Uh, can do you see the black marks that I've made on the screen? Can you can you read between those
0: two? Sivanti, we can't hear you if you're okay. saying something
4: yes
0: sir yeah uh, so can you read between the two black lines uh, that otis has highlighted uh, from uh, where chapter 1 begins to where it ends uh, cost bharat versus blood
4: okay between the two black lines right yes correct okay i felt strangely powerless even from the position of the unchallenged emperor of Haratabhasya. Krishna had left Indraprastha just a while ago. He had stayed almost for a week past Rajeshwar, realizing my turmoil since that unwanted incident of Shishupala's death. But this time I feel that even his counseling and encouraging words failed to suit me. I did not want Krishna to depart so soon. After what had happened that day, I was sure that Shishupala's friends were going to, uh, not going to spare my dear cousin. Mohadeva forbid if something unforeseen happened, I feared I would not be even able to reach on time to help him. Apart from that, I was ordered for my new empire too. I co- could not forget the words Brasha had said to me. Stay alert Yudhishthira, he had warned before leaving. Shishupala's death, I am afraid, shall make way for something more disastrous. The vengeance I have seen in the eyes uh, of the Rajanos shows me that destiny does not have peace in store for you. They are too outraged to rebel against your overlordship any time, and that will definitely cause Bharata blood. Okay, the consequence of Shishabal's death to definitely no, right, come, right,
1: right, which just right did not- right there, is, right there is perfect. Thank you so much for reading that. Um, So in, in reading this piece, this is, this is, um, um at a certain point, you start to answer your, your, you know, the questions about the piece. Do you see how that is? <laughs> you know, you're going to be like, the, sometimes people transition because it, they, you know, Is like Otis would say, I've done a lot of people would be like, they're like, I really, you know, I was, I was here for this story. But Otis would probably say that this story moves into backstory too soon. Right. That this issue of backstory is also here. Um, And, and for me, it, it is the, the, it's, it's a simple thing in a sense, but. But I think it's a simple thing, but it's a profound thing. Um, we, can go, we can pick on Abhinav again, maybe. It's this issue of wanting to explain. okay, As opposed, as opposed to the issue of finding the story and being compelled to let the story unfold. Finding and basically <clears throat> in, in like communication parlance, they say frame. Okay, so they use the word frame. We frame a story. We frame a story. The story is about a conflict. This, this technique can be misused, believe me, and it is all the time. But this is what we do. We frame a story of conflict. A conflict requires two things. It cannot have just one. And then we have, (laughs) then the story unfolds. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? That's the, that's the foundation of story. It's very simple. But what we have, unfortunately, is we have the human being who's trying to create the story. And what the human being wants to do is explain. The writer the writer, right, the two kinds of stories the, the writer who finds the story and the writer who makes a story. This is the issue. It's a, I think it's a profound, deep issue of essentially ego. The writer, the writer is. There are many writers who have talked about this and I know that you can find in your own traditions writers who've talked about it that the writer is a conduit they're not they're not a creator they're a conduit not a creator they don't make things they see things they're a witness T S Eliot talks about tradition and the individual talent he talks about the the writer being like a uh, a piece of magnesium in a in a catalyst that disappears as the reaction happens um john keats talks about negative capability these are things that are important for us so i think understanding this about ourselves is really the key to getting over the, the desire to explain and instead moving into the into the desire of writing stories which frame a protagonist that's defined in a diametrically opposed antagonistic force, and it is always diametrically opposed, not moving together to start to form the story. Mm -hmm. Um, And you'll notice here, I I write, so the beginning of it too, uh, begins, you know, uh, even from, it begins in a sense of stasis. So the other thing we add, and I've mentioned it to some in, in this piece, is we want in media race is the Greek for in the middle of the action. But what does that mean in the middle of the action? It basically means that we start running. We, we move, we're on the move. Those sentences begin subject, strong, transitive verb, and predicate we use that sentence structure, and then we use the next one, which is a subject, strong, transitive verb, and predicate. And then we write another sentence, not to make the point too strongly, subject, strong, transitive verb, predicate. And that's how we start that momentum. That's how we start the reader going with us. So that we then, if you can understand it psychologically, Going back to the backstory, when do we use it? Only when we absolutely have to, right? We have the reader running this way, right? Moving along this way. And then we suddenly put up a roadblock. But what do they want to do? They want to go here. So that's good. But if they're standing here and not moving and we put up a roadblock, they just keep standing there. Does that make sense? If, if the if the reader is in a state of stasis, and then we put up a roadblock, we haven't done anything with the work. But we can. We always can. So, um, I think that this this piece. I, I think this is maybe coming from the Mahabharata. Am yes. I saying that quite close to correctly? Almost. It's, Thank you, thank you. I'm just trying to do my best. I really need immersion, okay? So I, I really look forward to my trip to India where I can be, immerse myself. And um, <laughs> it's We know it's a compelling story. It has to be, because it would not have lasted if it wasn't. This is the thing. Compelling stories last and this is why we try to write compelling stories this is coming from an ancient story so we know it must be compelling now we have to work in relief to bring that compellingness that compelling nature out in our own prose and narrative right again we have we we know the story is there but we have to bring it out or we have to paint with thick lines whatever we have to do it's just a for us, um, Samanti, it's, yes. it's easy. Our job is so easy. All we have to do is deal with these words. I mean, when we know that we have the story, right? Yes. All we gotta do is deal with these pesky words. So yes. we just work, we work and, and work until we do it. But we know the story yes. is there and we know that we have the passion to tell the story. We have the two things we need, the story and the passion, the rest is easy, yes. it's just work. Um, so that is that is the main thing uh, for this piece. I marked in yellow the backstory. Um, there are things that do happen here, I believe in the backstory. So, my simple fix would be to just organize it so it's different. The, the, the beginning, it's like, a, it's like a little mistake, right, in a sense. You start at one point and then you go backwards to the story you actually want to tell. Just start there instead. It's, the fix is kind of easy. But the other thing that I do want to bring up is that right now in this piece, I don't feel the dramatic <laughs> conflict between an, an, a protagonist and antagonist. And that, again, comes from this human desire to explain things to other human beings. Explaining is not showing conflict. Explaining is actually playing one side of the conflict, where someone does, lacks intelligence, and we have it, and must. this is the mansplaining, right? Mansplaining is a conflict between the man and whoever they're mansplaining to, that's a conflict. We are not doing that as writers. We're not being the mansplainer. We're being the writer who looks at the conflict, who witnesses it take place. So we make sure that we put those on the page. Does that make a little sense, uh, Samanti?
4: Yes,
1: um,
0: so, quick time check, Otis.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, uh, uh, thank you. Thank you for that work. I uh, really appreciate it. And I think it always bears saying that I know that it's really difficult to put work out. I know it's really, I mean, but it's probably particularly difficult to put it in front of me because God knows what I'm going to say at any given moment. Um, I really appreciate it. We look at our work here. As saying, you know, this is something that we can step off from and learn some valuable principles for, so all of us can learn for our own work. Um, that that is great. And then also, as I say, our work is always a demonstration that we have a story. We simply have to find it. We know we have a story because we have a passion to tell it. Those two things are together for me. Because we have a passion to tell it, we know it is there. Um, This Rashma.
5: Yep, I'm here.
1: Hey, how are you? I'm good, thanks. So maybe uh, you could just read this. So maybe you can just tell... Or I can tell everyone that this is a play. And so this is, as Rashma is writing, it's a treatment. So it's exploring the play in its number of acts. And um, this, is, this is the setup. Um, so maybe you could just read this first part, you know, which basically gives us a, a starting point for each of the characters.
5: Oh, oh just uh, the beginning, okay. Uh, yeah. Baldeh Chaudhary, a 58 year old middle-class Indian man, lives in a two bedroom flat in a suburb of Delhi, with his family. He was forced to retire prematurely at 55 after working for 30 years. The management at the private CA firm that he was working for decided he was too old to switch to computers and Excel sheets. Now, three years down, Baldev has one mission in life, to find a suitable match for Simran, his 31-year-old daughter. He believes it is his duty as a father and as a Hindu, it is his dharma. His two elder brothers have married off their children. He feels the pressure of society's expectation and the talk is clicking. Simran will turn 32 in a month's time. On the other hand, Chutki, his 23-year-old daughter, is working in a call center. She works night shifts. Chutki believes in Bollywood girl meets boy on a train love stories. And DDLJ, a super hit film, is her favorite. Simran is neither a city romantic like Chutki, nor does she approve of arranged marriage setup. Kumud, Baldev's wife, is 55 years old. They've been married 33 years. It is still and stale marriage. The audience can see the crack in the marriage. Sheena, their neighbor, is friends with Shutki, and she is a part of the household. She is forever boring sugar, milk, and drops in to watch TV because they don't have a cable connection. Kumud treats her like her own daughter. Uh, Set semi realistic, transforms easily to different spaces.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's good. Just, right, just there is perfect. Okay, um, so there's actually a lot for all of us to learn from, from, this, from this beginning. So we as writers um, often uh, write our way into a story. So our first draft, in a lot of ways, we're actually just exploring the story a little bit it's like you know I've, I've come up with the analogy that we're just sort of dragging up the mud like we're a potter of some kind but all we do in the first draft is drag up the mud our our problem as writers particularly when we first start is that we think that dragging up the mud is the end product <laughs> that's the difference that is the difference between the you know in, in a way the beginner writer and the professional writer right the beginner thinks that they've dragged up the mud and they're done and I've done it. I've dragged up six hundred pages of mud and thought I was done, and I was wrong right. okay so I know of what I speak um, and anyway so but there the story starts someplace okay so there is and and um, Rashma you know has an inciting incident that takes place the arrival of a letter that basically triggers the other events of the story but Right. So that's the beginning. That's the immediate race that I was talking about before. But before that, these characters were all developed. So this is, in a sense, it is backstory. Does it need to be explained? In, in dramatic terms for us, we go to Henry James. Henry James and probably many others um, have said something like this, that basically characters reveal themselves through their actions. And actions reveal the character. Characters reveal them as bears repeating. Characters reveal themselves through action. And action reveals character. They're the same. Essentially, characters are in a state of poetry in motion, as we sometimes say. From that simple thing, we can already we can go we can backtrack into previous discussions and already say stasis is no good. Why is stasis no good?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Because it doesn't reveal character. Action reveals character, not stasis. So, yeah. to so, uh, reveal character repeatedly throughout the entire arc of character, which is what the story is, we reveal character continually. Through the action of the story until we arrive at the end and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So this is something that a lot of writers don't do. But professional script writers, for example, will write sometimes hundreds of pages exploring characters before they ever sit down to write the script. So they're writing hundreds of pages to explore characters before they write the script. Movie scripts do not deal that well with backstory, but if they do backstory, they do it in what's called flashback. It's okay if, if, also, if you don't understand everything that I'm talking about, we talk about it again and again, and eventually you get it, or you can look it up later on. It's,
5: you know. Yeah, so uh, the notes yep. are basically for myself, and yep. I have my own character. I I didn't, I can't share that much space, like, I've got fifty thousand other words typed around characters. So Yeah. Yeah. So this note is just, just just like a set uh when you're getting into it. But the play starts only when I say exposition, you know, that that's when the play really starts with the man yeah, coming right. in.
1: No, I get that. I'm I'm really just trying to I'm trying to like let other writers understand what you've okay. done in your work here. That you consider these characters, you've written into them, you've even developed the plays and scenes and all of these things as you're bringing the story up, and here's another consideration of character. So now I just want to go through this quickly to, again, try and help us in terms of how writing helps us. This is what I believe, right? We have a story, we have the passion, and now we just have to figure out how to write it. And, and the greatest teacher is not me, the greatest the teacher is the writing if we can see it. Right? So if we look at this in terms of development of character, we see that Baldev, I've actually highlighted, right? I'm using the words themselves on the page just to be illustrative of Rashma. It's not necessarily a reflection on your work at all. I'm just using it as a stepping off point for everyone. But we can see that Baldev has a lot of space, right? It's just space. But it means that Baldev has gotten a lot of consideration. Simran, right, I would suggest not doing it like this. Simran is bifurcated, right? There's one sentence here about Simran, and then here's another sentence about Simran. She's actually a central character. She only has two sentences. Um, um, Tutki, right, she's here in the center, Okay, She gets a couple sentences. Kalmud only gets these. And then Sheena gets these. Sheena is a very minor character, really a, almost like a prop piece, right? Um, and then we have another, uh, Kalmud is also um, slightly bifurcated. So, as a simple thing, I would say let's first not do that, okay? Let's, let's make sure <clears throat> that we're giving the same amount of attention to Baldev, to Simran, to Chutki, to uh, Kumud, at least, okay? So Sheena, I can recognize, as a, she's an ancillary to the family and a little bit of a prop. So, but I would want to give equal attention to all, all four characters in the family. And, and I'm going to say something I think exceptionally important. Okay? We as the writer might think that Baldev is most important and that these other characters are less important. But no character on Earth thinks that they're less important. And no character on Earth is less important, I say. So we want each of these characters to be absolutely full and dynamic. In our work, I think this is also important. In our work, we don't have any space for subpar. We are in competition with other writers who are going to write the best characters that they can let's say they have four characters in their work and we have four characters they're going to pull out every stop to make every one of those characters amazing amazing if we do not do the same we do not achieve what they achieve so i mean i i'm not i hope i'm not picking on you i'm just saying for all of us to be realists as writers to know that there's you know the writers are saying, "I have four characters. I'm going to make them all knockout characters. There's no place for a second a second fiddle. There's no place for a second fiddle. No one on earth feels that they're a second fiddle. Everyone on earth is a first fiddle in their own life, right? First violin. So that's one thing. I would separate them out, so we use the writing to help us. So we have this we have. Baldev, and I think we get to something really important with Baldev with his family in doing this work, that he has two brothers. His brothers have married off his children, their children. They also seem to have sons. He seems to have daughters. He is also the youngest brother. And I think that this is something of issue to him. It would be maybe even more interesting if the other brothers were younger and he was the oldest. But these are things to think about because there's a pressure A social pressure that he feels and he feels it most acutely and representationally from his own family of success and failure right that is an extremely potent motivation as well as mixing in the gender issues okay i'm just going to make one other point so so i would separate these all out and i would look on the page and make sure that i'm definitely developing all these characters equally Um, Then uh, Simran Simran will turn 32 in a month's time. Okay, so I'm going to say that's static, right? I'm not making any comment other than to look at the language. And I'm going to say this. Simran is neither nor. I'm going to say something tremendously important right now about this character. Is being defined by what she is not. And so now we have to do the deep work of not defining, i a okay, problem here, of not defining her by what she is not, but defining her by what she is and what she's driven to do. Because that's the only thing that can explain her actions. And everything is an action to get what you want. Okay, David Mamet said, David Mamet, so sorry, John LaRue said, dialogue is what characters characters do to each other. So it's an action being done to, to make the world behave as you want it to behave. That's what the character wants. They want control over the world. David Mamet said, characters do not always say what they mean, but they always say something to get what they want. And I'm going to add something to this from my own work. Characters always reveal themselves in what they do, which includes talking. Do not take these principles back to your relationships with your loved ones, everybody. I'm going to tell you that in that, destruction, mayhem, and disaster looms. Don't do it. Ashwani, do not do it. We have to (laughs) keep this to ourselves. Okay, this is what we know, and we don't say it. We don't say it. And of course, we do it too. That's the other thing to recognize. We do it too. We don't always say what we mean, but we always say something to get what we want. And that is going to be controlling the world around us on our terms. That's why we do so much explaining. If we can just explain the nature of the world, then everyone would be doing things on our terms, wouldn't they? Okay, so Simran, what does she want? What your character wants is the number one thing for you to know about your character. And then once you know what they want, you also can understand everything that they do because they're always doing something to get what they want, everything.
5: So uh, after our, um, you know, your previous notes, and since this is a rewrite, this is a time I was looking at Simran as a protagonist, but in this rewrite Baldev is the one who's uh, the major protagonist and others Mm -hmm. are, and he wants his daughter to be married come what may.
1: So. Right, I, I understand that, but so but this is, this is something for us. So when you're a playwright, you are writing all the characters. When we're a writer, we're writing all the characters. What we do, so this is something you do not do in playwriting. You have a sense of the protagonistic force. You focus and frame their experience more than you frame the experiences of other characters. So you're basically, you're selecting them. I mean, what we do in our protagonism is we select a character, that the reader or the audience identifies with. Valdev is central to your story, but actually the audience might identify with any of the characters who are there because they're all in front of them, and we don't get Mm -hmm. insight. The way a writer of narrative does it is that they take the protagonist and they usually put the point of view inside of the character. In a play, the point of view is with the audience that makes sense? The point of view sees the audience. That's different than what we do in narrative, which is take the point of view and put it inside a character and see the world from that viewpoint. So it's, it's just a little bit different, but every character has to be full. So the, the selection of the character is central doesn't actually change the need to have every character be full, because if we don't, so this is again, super important. If we don't know what the character wants, then we don't have any idea what the hell they're doing. Does that make sense? Like, right. their actions are immaterial. It's really great for the reader to also know at least what the, what the character thinks they want. Hmm. And this is driving, so I, I will often counsel writers of prose, right, narrative, to state what the character thinks they want. There was a movie in the US um, called Kumar Wants a White Castle Hamburger. I did not see that movie. But I know why producers paid for it. They paid for that script. The number one criteria for accepting a movie script, I've heard, because what the heck do I know, I've heard is that uh, that the central character has a clear mo clear and concrete motivation, so it doesn 't matter whether it 's money, white castle hamburger, the girl, the boy, the diamond the 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 duck, whatever it is that they have a clear sense of what they're motivated to get. I could go more into this, but i know I'm running out of time. I just want to say um, but Just uh, Rashma, my my big thing on this piece is that um, I think it's really going well. I think you did a great job bringing in the world in this first uh, in this first uh, scene. You know, the the telemarketing and 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 immersing the reader into the world is a fabulous thing, and that world should be playing a role in what goes on in the play as a whole. Um, when I got to um, you you have a scene where you introduce the family that's um, selecting a wife, mm-hmm. and and I just I think that that's very compelling. I misread it a little bit, but the son is named Raj, and I think that Raj should be the one who's. Right. I think he should be more central than the father. Right. I I I, I would love you know for him to be sort of a technological person and even a math person to offer some kind of contrast to Simran. Right, it makes sense. He could be a person who's making a selection process through an algorithm, you know, or something like that. So it's so dispassionate. It's so calculated in a sense. And I think that that also sort of will define, you know, Simran will be defined a little bit as a contrast to that idea. Right. But I think Simran has has to develop a little bit. Um, and, then, and then, like some other works, I feel once we are in the cafe, I very much wanted the family to come to the cafe. So going to okay. other places was, for me, stopping me from getting what I wanted, which was to okay. now see Simran and Raj uh, duke it out, right? And, okay. uh, <clears throat> and I think what it means in terms of the length of your piece is that this story does, will not end know with that i mean i don't i don't know where it goes from there if you if you up the if you somehow take those scenes you wrote after the cafe and move them here what's necessary move before the cafe and then i'm not sure where you're going to end up going after that um but i i did feel disappointed that we didn't keep moving ahead again it's like it's this sense of momentum you know once you have you know you have the great world setting in the first section then you have the introduction of simran and the marriage right and i really feel compelled then you have raj and his family at that point i'm going this way i you have me right okay right and to and to and i don't see any reason why we shouldn't keep going anyway that was my big comment on the piece i really enjoyed it Sure. Okay, Thanks. I better keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, okay, so, oh, this story, okay. Um, Rom, I'm gonna have you, um,
0: Uh, uh, so, uh, Otis, I yeah, just looking at the time. I wanted to see if you can cover this uh, that is Ram's piece, and then perhaps uh, I think the J uh, J piece, the one that says Jay Sundar Indic Academy or something. If we can cover these two pieces today, that'd be great. Okay.
1: Okay. Let's. Uh, yeah, thanks. I, I think that that's it. I think that that's
0: all I have. Oh, so, perfect, okay. perfect, excellent. Uh,
1: so. So, uh, Rom, if I could, maybe I could just have you just read this, this short paragraph in here. I won't. Yeah, then, sure. Oh, sorry. Wait, go actually just catch the last little, like, why was her defense defensive?
6: Sure. It was so unfair. Was her means to achieve sales wrong? The other women, intellectually endowed, had used their intelligence, a genetic gift, to achieve sales. Isn't that what she had done too, use her genetic gift, her looks to achieve her target? Why is it right for one person to use her genetic gift and wrong for another to use hers? After all, she had not used illegal means. She had not held a gun to the doctor's heads. She had not paid bribes or kickbacks. She had not used coercion or influence. She was physically endowed while they were intellectually endowed. Each had used their respective gifts, a genetic benevolence, to achieve the same end result, and achieve it she had, fair and square. Why, then, was her defense, defensive?
1: Oh, and and just, so, first she realized that defense she had crafted was based on a foundation of guilt, of a sense of wrongdoing, though it was buried deep in her conscience. I think that's a great line, too.
3: Thank you.
1: Um, okay, so I'm I'm just going to Ram. I hope you'll forgive me if I just move a little little quickly. Sure. Um. So I was I was intrigued by this piece. Um, I will I will. <laughs> I will I will confess that I have tried to write from a, a woman's point of view. And um and this is and I, it's one of the great great learning moments of my life. In fact, um, Julie Orringer, this was in the Stanford workshop, Julie mm-hmm. Orringer was in the workshop. And she was, she was just like, you know, this wonderful looking woman, you know, who had a smile, like this huge smile, you know, she was like that she would smile as she just like ripped your heart out, right. And so, uh, I've written a story, and I thought I've, I was really immersed in it, and you know, compelled. And I thought I was really, you know, capturing the female point of view. And Julie Orringer says, she looks, she looks over at me, and she smiles this wide smile, and she says, uh, "Your, your character touches herself a lot." <laughs> 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 That's what she said. She said your character touches herself a lot. And that's because I was a man possessing a woman's point of view. Right. <laughs> I was not a woman.
6: Right.
1: That was the point that she made in a way that left me eviscerated on the table, exposed to everybody in a way I would never <laughs> ever forget. <laughs> so, <Ram, clears> Rom, <throat> I... I offer you that story. It moves to the the huge difficulty of us to really capture another point of view and not right. not write our perception of that point of view. Mm. And while there was, while I like where this goes intellectually, I'm not mm. sure that we're actually with this woman emotionally in her life. Yep. I feel that we are. In some ways, through the story, judging her, mm-hmm. and 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 so when we're judging her, when we have, so we have to recognize that no one has. We struggle with judgments of ourselves, mm-hmm. but we don't have biases against ourselves. I don't know. We have to think about it, but you know, I feel a bias from her point of view. That's. That's difficult but yeah. but i'm but i'm 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 interested, and I think that you know i I love this idea I, I mean I think that you get someplace actually significant about this where I mean I think you get someplace psychologically significant about her having an internalized sense of wrongdoing yeah. but but one thing that I feel through the piece is that there actually are value judgments about yeah. being attractive I mean, I think that what we arrive at here is actually but what we arrive here, you know, I don't know about genetic gifts. I think things, these things are developed. I and mean, when we have a human brain, it's pretty capable. So I usually think that there's other, there are other factors, but that's just, maybe that's just me, <clears throat> um, but where I'm, where I'm going to get to at the end is. So in the end of this story, mm-hmm. this is, this is where we, we bring ourselves. So we use the writing to get back and reflect upon ourselves with the objective that we are going to grow as human beings. Mm-hmm. Yes, we try to grow as writers and we want to be successful as writers, but that's not nearly as important as who we are as human beings. So what's great about our writing is to take something like Julie Orringer's comment, right, which penetrated, you know, right. and made me think hard about the world and about life and about my place in it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so we try to ask ourselves the hardest questions by looking at the writing. And mm-hmm. so I think the question to ask here is, with this writing, is that thing that I started with. There are stories that find and stories that make. Right. Which is this
6: one? This is a story I made, very clearly.
1: Right. So, <laughs> so, so then we put that up, if we put that up as the you know mm-hmm. if we if we if we test our work by those standards mm-hmm. i think we have really good things in our future i really right. believe that right yeah um let me i'm sorry ram to go so quickly but i know <laughs> I've, I've tried to finish you
2: um... can ask in the end uh maybe this time mm-hmm. Uh, so the question was, supp- I am, I am just a new writer into fiction. I never wrote fiction before. Like these are my first attempts, whatever you see in fiction writing. So, uh, I am not a person who is very dramatic by nature. I artificially created, create drama in the story, which does not come out oh, half the time. But, you know, how to create drama with using transitive or dynamic verbs. If we can touch upon that in a later, uh, piece also, we'll uh, will do.
1: I'm, I'm not sure that i'm following the last part of that question what, what
2: so, uh, i was saying that how to create drama using strong verbs as you had mentioned uh, transitive verbs or dynamic moving verbs so how to create well, drama well, using
1: yeah well just start you know you you can go a long way by just writing some subjects verbs and predicates so just keep going that way that will, that will help you a lot. And then we want to add on to that, trying to focus through a point of view if we can. And then we move that point of view around, but we want to situate the reader in a point of view. Um, Rashma, if she's doing drama, the, the audience member has a point of view. It's their own. It's this seat. They look that way. That describes the point of view. They like being secure in that seat and comfortable and being able to order drinks, of course. We want to put the reader into a point of view so that they can be comfortable. We don't want them going all around, all through time, you know, like, they, like the eye of God, right? We do not want to put them into the eye of God, which is terrifying for us human beings. We want to situate them in a human vessel so that they can experience life through that avatar, essentially, right? So those two things, you know, usually, usually focus us pretty well. Thanks. And then to understand, to understand the next big thing that we're doing with story, which is just beating the crap out of our protagonist, basically. That's what we're doing.
6: Um, uh, Otis, I just have one question for you on this piece. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I know I submitted something which was longer than 800 words. So did you go till the end because you had to give feedback or did you go till the end because you were curious to find out what happened next?
1: Oh, nice question. Um, i so I recognized that we had many pages of backstory, okay, so mm-hmm. in reality and that and that nothing was really happening in the front story, so very little happens in the front story right so i if I were reading it for a journal i I don't think I would get through that okay you know, like I would recognize it as, as a problem, but mm-hmm. I I was compelled. I mean, I think you did set something up because you basically pitted her against this antagonistic force. The yeah. way it finally turned out didn't reflect change for the character, I felt. But mm-hmm. I did feel that you you do have a protagonist and an antagonist. Right? Mm-hmm. You had this protagonist and then you had this committee right. as the antagonistic force and, and that works. So okay. that's good. Yeah. Okay. Let's... Um, thank you. Thanks a lot. Um, uh, Jason Tahar? Uh, I know I'm not saying that very well. so you, please, are, That's all okay. right. Jay J- would do. Okay. Thank you, Jay. Yeah. Um, can you just read, for the sake of time, and I'm so sorry uh, to be here last, if you could just read, to, do you see the black mark?
5: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Uh, from the beginning, right? I see only the ending black mark. Yes,
1: please. Yes, please.
5: Yeah, okay. So, Sadaan's feet took a circuitous path, flitting behind trees and, and focused on getting closer to the tower, yet not having the light from the entrance fall on him. Light went out, startling him. Blinking it off, he quickly slipped behind the nearest tree and held his breath. The door moved further outward blending the darkness of the grounds a portly figure broke through the darkness locking the door behind it it descended down the steps and walked ahead in a straight line to the grounds
1: okay thank you um so um this this piece there there are a couple things in the opening that that we can look at again with this idea that we look at the words, we write the words, right? We're pulling up some mud and then we're going to look at that and then we're going to try and see what we can see. We want to get through it. Um, So one thing we want to do in the beginning of our work is we do want to set the scene. We want, we basically want a kind of imaginative experience to start going off in the head of our reader. We want them to start to see things. Does that make sense? We want them to see and imagine. We want to place them in this world. To do that, we basically need to use nouns. Concrete, what I'll say are, so we're talking about verbs, transitive verbs, concrete nouns, not abstract nouns. We want to use those so that the reader can see and understand. Yep. Because um, okay. I've, not, I've said before that the one thing we know about the reader,
3: <clears throat>
1: really so fundamentally important to us, is that they want to escape their world and go into our world. That's what they're telling us. We know so much about them. When they open up that book, they do not want to deal with their screaming kids. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't want to do the dishes. They don't want to do the laundry. They don't want to work. They don't want to do anything. They want to escape. This is it. Because we know that, we know also we need to give them that place that they escape to. We're just going to embed that in our mind, we must give them that place that they can escape to. If we don't, we have not fulfilled the very first bargain. You know, it's like, it's like someone coming to buy your car. Okay. Right? And they come to buy your car and you say, it doesn't run. You know, <laughs> or they're coming to buy your car. And you're like, oh, it's not here. You know, we have to put them into that world. So there's there's a, um, okay. It's not, it's not a big deal. I, I like some of what you've done. I think what where you're really. I can I can tell that you're imagining this experience, and you are mm-hmm. in this world, right? I know you're in this world Okay. You
3: do,
1: you do things like this. You said the light went out, startling him, blinking it off. He quickly, obviously, adverb. Yep, you know. Yeah. Slipped behind the nearest. Tree. Everyone's got yeah. that now. <laughs> behind the nearest tree and held his breath. Right. The door uh-huh. moved outward, blending the darkness of the grounds with the darkness inside. That's even though it's not concrete, which is difficult for me. I don't see it well. but I do get that you see it. That's a big step.
3: Okay. okay. Right? So
1: even though I don't see it, I get that you see it, and that's great. Right, um, okay. a portly figure broke through the darkness, and and in a sense, you're still seeing it, right? You're still describing yeah. this visual uh, manifestation of this person. Yeah. You don't also think about whether I can see it or not. Okay. Um, and and so. That actually remains fairly consistent. Um, There's probably two main points to make of this Mm -hmm. piece. One, this is is something I think to take away. Again, another thing, you know, brilliant things need to write down, which is the reader does not read to find out what is happening. The reader reads to find out what will happen next. And what that means, basically, is The reader is not trying to find out what is happening. Like, they're not, we want the reader to know what is happening here, here, here. That doesn't mean we have to explain why it is happening. Okay, so we know that I don't like exposition. We can't explain why it's happening. We just have to have the reader understand what is happening. Okay. Dot, 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 dot. The problem, one of the consistent problems here is this portly figure we never move to the point of actually having a description. I don't have a description of Sadyan, S- Sadayan, and I don't have a description of the portly figure okay. either, so I can't see that. It's like a, I do don't know whether the portly figure okay. is an apparition, a ghost, okay. a human being. Okay. Uh, okay. I don't know. Okay. Um, okay. And then, then the next. The next big thing, um, and this is the much bigger thing. The um, this story is about contracting this person to um, engage in a basically a violent attack on something, a caravan of some kind, and yeah. then you know, with, with and so there's going to be violence. You know, I mean, these are things. Jay, we, we'll agree if we were to do these things we we agree that it requires a certain kind of personality to be able to execute violent acts against others okay the character that you the character that you focus on in point of view here does not feel mm-hmm. like that character right he does not feel he feels like he seems like he's completely unformulated in a way like he's just he's just there he's by the tree he's mm-hmm. you know but he is a motivated character, and he's a person that's also capable of doing the things that are being asked of him. So mm-hmm. that's a much different person than we're getting right now. That's a much deeper level, right? So we want to see the world, but then when we get to the level of characterization, okay, we have to understand that this is the guy who can do these things. Once we have okay. that, right? once we understand that he's the guy that can do these things, we also want to know what does he want? And then we have to construct the story okay. so not a, that isn't giving giving him what he wants, but doing the very opposite, not giving him what he wants. The force of antagonism. Then we have okay. to But I think you you have you have you you begun to develop an interesting character? Mhm. And uh and and the other thing is the other thing I noticed too is that you actually late in the story, you have this, you know, sort of lengthy description about, you know, what's going to happen. The caravan's going to come through. You do this, that, and the other thing. And I was so mm-hmm. this is something, something for us to think about. Is it, yeah. more effective to have them talking about this, um, this violent act? Or would it be better and more dramatically Mm -hmm. interesting to have them doing it? Because you have freedom to do whatever you want. This goes by the principle. Okay, so I don't want to go too far into this story. But I was teaching a, a workshop where someone wrote a wonderful story. And in that story, they had a metaphor that equated their fear with the fear of a bear. Okay, so I call that the metaphorical bear. And I asked the class, we had a big table, and I said, what would get your attention more? If we had a metaphorical bear on the table, or if we had a real goddamn bear on the table? In the same way, someone talking about attacking a caravan is not going to be as dramatically interesting as attacking a caravan. Does that make sense? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Just we we'll think about yes. it again as levels of abstraction. I can talk, I can talk a blue streak about stuff, but doing it is going to be more vitally important. And when we're dealing with writing, we're already dealing at one level of abstraction, which is the word. If those words are another level of abstraction, the reader's even farther away from the experience. I think it is, a, um, Jay, I, wanna, I, wanna re, I want to though emphasize that I, where'd you go, Jay? He, maybe he bailed. I mm-hmm. want to emphasize that this ability to, to imagine oneself in the space. Hi, Jay, thank you. To imagine yourself in the space as I see you're doing, that is the greater skill. That is the greater skill. The words, we can always fix. The words, we fix. The the imagination, we can't. You have a line in here where where the the character, in order to get the attention of the figure, rustles his feet in the leaves. All of us as writers, what we wanna do, and this is definitely what I did, okay? When we, when we start writing, when I went into the workshop, everyone wrote better than I did, it seemed. They were more lyrical. They were funnier. They were smarter. They were everything. And I just was like, oh, I hated them. I hated all of them. The only way I could get through it was to say, what am I better at than they are? What am I good at? And I just grabbed onto that, and I said, I was like, I think I know people better than they do. Now, it's not true. Not true. Truth doesn't have anything to do with it. It just has to do with holding something for yourself and saying this is... And I also said to to myself, I am going to outwork them. I also... Not true. Not true. But I was like, I'm going to outwork them and I know people better. And I held on to that and I developed that strength as well as I could. And I tried to... Um, develop all of their strengths too, that I could recognize. Can I just steal everything that they have as a strength and then develop mine? And then also I tried to undermine them at every turn. That's a joke. Jay, don't do that. That was a joke. (laughs) Okay, everyone.
0: Otis, thank you so much uh, for walking us, uh, everyone, through these pieces. Lots and lots of good advice. And folks, uh, as uh, you would have seen, please keep your pieces coming in and keep them to around eight to 900 words. Uh, send them in a PDF. Uh, uh, attach your name at the beginning of the file. So, for example, put it something like Abhinav underscore Indic Academy underscore 12th December 2020 something like this makes it easy for Otis to spend less time on organizing these files and more time on reading critiquing and then sending uh, you your feedback and again you know pdf word document um, pdf 800 to 900 words uh, times new roman 12 size font Uh, maybe if you can definitely do double spaced and we'll uh, talk to you next Sunday thank you so much
3: Thanks. Thanks. Otis. Thank you. Thank you, Otis. Thank you.